Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next instalment of the Trusted Tech Talks podcast series. I'm Lloyd Lawson, your host, and I'm joined today by Tolly um, from Cinch. So we'll be discussing um, all things sort of DevOps today and uh, why software developers should be getting more involved in the ops and the, the DevOps side. So I guess, Tolly, do you want to introduce yourself for people that don't know who you are? Yeah, thanks, Lloyd. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Tolly, as you said. Uh, I am a principal practice engineer at Cinch, focused on everything to do with DevOps and observability. Um, Cinch is pretty new in the market. It's just been around for about a year or two, and it's um, providing a car buying platform, a uh, second-hand car buying platform, and we're growing uh, pretty rapidly. Um, so, yeah, it is looking, really looking forward to this chat. Nice. All right, great. Well, I'll I'll kick things off then. I know um, I've got a couple of questions to sort of fire at you. So, I guess a big question at the moment, and obviously we see a lot a lot of companies going down this way as well, um, is kind of getting you know the traditional uh, DevOps people have come from that more operational backgrounds and. Uh, obviously, at Cinch, you're going down the software developers are picking up the operation side. Um, so I guess, firstly, um, wh- why why should, I guess, or why is that the way forward for software engineers to sort of pick up the more ops side and get involved in more DevOps stuff? Well, I guess it's uh, a great question. I guess to start with, Cinch uh, started with DevOps first. Uh, from the very kind of inception of the company. So we didn't have to do any massive transformations, which made it easier for us. Um, but a bit more specifically, I guess we need to your question about why software engineers should get involved with DevOps. Uh, I think kind of need, need to look back at what DevOps, where DevOps started and where uh, where it is now. So around about when it, when it first started, around about 2010, I might be wrong about that, but um, when the first kind of DevOps days were organized and the term DevOps was coined. Um, At the time, it was a revolutionary organizational approach to software development. So, and it was probably the biggest one after the Agile Manifesto. And so there was a lot of hype that was created in the next few years around it. And a lot of organizations, but usually startups, started adopting the various DevOps organizational models, um, which meant that essentially they were bringing the dev teams and the ops teams closer, at least, or turning the dev teams into ops at best. Um, but that was always a bit of a hip movement that felt right in years that everyone liked it. All the devs kind of thought, oh, that's a great idea. Um, but in 2018, uh, I think it was 2018, the door research that had started around 2014, uh, performing qualitative research across a number of organizations actually proved that there's a correlation between organizational DevOps maturity and organizational performance. So this is almost like the real turning point as we we had proof as an as an industry that hip movements do make organizations profitable so um this meant that all organizations to be able to keep up should transform their organizational topologies and their ways of working tooling and ultimately mindset and that has a big impact on roles um so engineering teams know uh, they should be able to provision the Sorry, engineering teams should be able to provision infrastructure, build robust, 
quick pipelines, deploy to production, and observe and monitor their production systems. But that doesn't come easy. It doesn't, you know, it's not easy to do. Engineers need to learn a lot more than designing their code, writing it, and regression testing it. They'll need to learn how to package up their code, how to deploy it, how to make their code in production observable. And the other, the other big revolution is the, the cloud. So they do they need to do this in the cloud, which introduces a whole new set of challenges. So all this takes time and it does add, add cognitive overhead. However, um, I'd say that it, it's welcoming overhead as it means that software engineers within their teams have full control of the, uh, of the software lifecycle. They're close to the customer. They can build, uh, they're close to the customer. They can build efficient short feedback loops between what they write and people using their software. So to me, that's something very exciting. Um, so I guess my answer, my, my TLDR is um, get involved in get, get involved in organizations that have a DevOps mindset, a true DevOps mindset, because it's exciting. You get ownership, you get, uh, you, you get, to, you get to do what you always wanted to do. Nice. I guess for um, software engineers out there that, um, that I'm a bit unsure about getting into it, or being more involved in it, because there's quite a lot, as you probably know, there's a lot of software developers that just want to do that, um, obviously the development and the coding, um, and they don't necessarily want to pick it up. Do you think they just don't see the benefits, or is it just kind of that's what they want to do? Um, that's an interesting question. I think to an extent, um, you're, all, you're, always, you're always limited by the environment. Uh, within which you you operate. So, to to not talk about everyone else, but maybe bring my my personal experience is that I for years wrote code, uh, wrote some tests, not that many, uh, and then ended up um, I, I, and then delivered delivered my code to source control, and that's it. I didn't really know what happened when it came to building it, shipping it. Um, all of that was just. Um, obscured and, and I didn't have visibility of it. Um, so for years I was quite happy learning learning that, um, and it was a steep learning curve for me because I started from from maths and physics. I didn't really hadn't written written code till till I started my first software job. So I think to an extent it's it's just I think a lot of organizations maybe keep this detail away from developers. And if you find yourself in an organization that doesn't and uh, and follows a Build it, ship it, uh, build it, ship it, support it model where teams both build and ship their software, so they're allowed to to deploy to production, um, but they also are responsible for operating it, and that's that's where you you get insights into what extra uh, things are involved in the software lifecycle. Um, so I, I think it's it's all about how much you get exposed to. Um, having said that. Uh, I think that DevOps, based on based on what, what, I, what I was saying earlier about the Dora research and DevOps maturity being a predictor of, of organizational performance, DevOps is here to stay. It's been here for a long time, but it's it's even more relevant now. Yeah, you're starting to see um, a lot of companies where you know, they, they was just looking for that traditional sort of ops person to come in to sort of be that bridge between the teams. But 
and then a lot of companies now realizing this you know it's not probably the right way um so yeah we're seeing more and more companies out there transitioning into either looking for a software developer that's got that exposure and experience or kind of someone who's been in that devops role but come from more of a software development background as well yeah and i i take it even further that um organizations that deliver and operate software as i said but using build it, ship it, support it model, mm. which what that means is they have no centralized ops functions because they think it's better. Um, they will they will be delivering in small batches uh, of code to production, often the everyday, we the kind of deployments production every day that you often hear. Uh, and they will make sure they do this with loads of automated testing in place so that they can truly practice the ICD or trunk-based development ideally. And they'll do this without change approval boards or CABs, as uh, people might know them, or no Friday deploys, slogans, and things like that. Um, but that doesn't come alone. It doesn't come with, I'll hire an infrastructure person, and I'll do this. It comes with hiring in the mindset or the, the willingness, the drive to, to change. Um, so it does require maturity and some capabilities. So things that I can think of is um, trunk-based development, uh, psychological safety, uh, monitoring observability, um, work and process limits, uh, all this stuff that are kind of also from extreme programming and um, an agile, a growing learning culture. Culture is very important and advanced automated testing strategies, ultimately CICD. So all these things need to be established to be able to operate in that way. Um, but I'd also argue that the future is here um, in 2021. I, I believe that the, ma the maturity of DevOps across organization, um, and sorry, I believe that with the maturity of DevOps across organizations, the cloud uh, and serverless in particular, we're experiencing a, trans a transition into a post DevOps era, if you like. Yeah. So if you read through the latest state of DevOps report, which came out September 2021, it's not it's not sufficient anymore to be a mature DevOps organization. In 2018, if you were elite, it was about 7% of the organizations. Um, in 2021, if you're elite, it's about 26%. So you're not, you're not special anymore, if you like. So the, um, the thing that is a differentiator that they, they, they point out in the report, um, which we're seeing as well, is that is a fifth metric, aside uh, of the four metrics that they've used previously, um, which is measuring reliability. So yeah. are, we, are we delivering software that's reliable for our customers and for our users? That's, that's the big question. Um, so I think uh, candidates who are looking to go uh, into organizations, they, they, they benefit from moving into organizations that really care about the, the, DORA, the four DORA metrics, but also about reliability and how to achieve that. And that comes with a few, a few things um, as well. Extra cognitive overhead. Nice. It's definitely the kind of future, then I guess, um, in the direction of DevOps and the way it's matured. Um, I guess for people that don't know out there and um, don't know much about Cinch, um, as a, obviously a technical on the technical side. How I know you've touched on a few points there already, but mm. how 
how are you doing this at Cinch uh, and promoting that sort of DevOps culture across the teams and the squads? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I to, to start with, I guess I was number one um, higher in terms of um, when we started building um, the, the, the engineering function at Cinch, and I was hired as a, a DevOps subject matter expert, if you like to. I was basically a software engineer who, who was interested in DevOps. Uh, I didn't know that much, but I was keen to learn. And that kind of says a lot about Cinch as an organization and what, what they wanted to achieve from day one. Um, and since then, we've, we've scaled that. Um, so what what we do, it's it's a number of things, I guess. we The first thing I'd say is we, 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 ch- we chose to take advantage of the so-called inverse Conway's law maneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, what that meant. So Conway's Conway's law is yeah, a lot of people reference it, and essentially Con, uh, Conway said a few decades ago that um, your your software, um, well, in loose terms, your software will will ultimately uh, mirror the the structure of your organization. Um, so how how organization structures structured matter. So um, we we intentionally try to structure organization and design it in ways that allow us to promote teams to deliver software autonomously and take ownership of the building, shipping, and supporting that I talked about earlier. So that's, that's number one, I'd say. Um, uh, an, additional, an additional aspect is we have no QAs or no ops people. So I often, I often say, say to teams, no one, no one will look after your software. It's just you. Um, so that gives a level of accountability. Um, and it, it does force the issue a bit. So the, te- the teams do choose the techniques that help them deliver and operate efficiently. Um, that, ma- that may mean to be as CICD as possible. Um, that may mean observability-driven development. So this is all the teams doing it, and that's, that's the important bit. Um, quick pipelines, uh, minimal and efficient infrastructures code. Uh, and we also express that in the same program and language that we use across the stacks. So we have uh, TypeScript across uh in uh, infrastructure back end and front end and then more um more organic more um performance things like monitoring and sre techniques so chaos days and slos or continuously improving instant process and just general psychological safety so my answer to what we're doing is is a bunch of things i guess but we also support the teams we don't kind of say right we don't we're not giving you any ops people. We're not giving you any QAs, but you're alone. We, we, it's, not, it's not like that. Uh, we we try to, um, we have some software engineers, special software engineers, if you like, uh, that are subject matter experts in all the stuff that help uh, enhance our kind of DevOps mindset, which is infrastructure, pipelines, observability, SRE. And these software engineers are, embedded in each team um, but they understand the entire so- software life cycle we expect all software engineers to do that but these 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 software engineers are um, they understand a bit more the pains and toil of delivering and operating software so they provide solutions insights ideas um, so they're not there to do all the work as a form of a, a DevOps anti-pattern. They're not the DevOps engineers, if you like. Um, we call them automation engineers, probably not a great title for them, but they, they try to automate everything to provide confidence to the team, to deliver software in a CICD fashion, 
and have confidence that their code is working in production after a change or at any point in time, really. So they are ultimately passionate about DevOps and observability, reliability, and they're usually people who are extra keen to learn so that they can advocate, coach, inspire their team so they can bring them along the, that DevOps journey. So you could say in a nutshell that we we um, we distributed the responsibility of um, promoting, well, establishing and promoting a DevOps culture. Nice. Yeah, so I, I guess I know you've touched on it when I spoke to you uh, a few times as well, and you mentioned it there, but you kind of bring the, together the teams as well, bring it, all these automation engineers uh, yeah. collaborate, um, yeah. you know, as a team. Yeah, that's a great shout. We um, that an extra level of support that we that we're trying to provide now is we're building community practice, and the first community practice was around DevOps and automation. Um, so we brought the all the automation engineers from all the teams into uh, into a group, into a psychologically safe place where they can share and get to know each other. Um, and the purpose of it is that they they become the kind of advocates for. Uh, observability and uh, monitoring and DevOps and everything to do with um, just learning and, and knowledge sharing. Um, so and just just being that that group that it's, that it's subject matter expert and advocating for better DevOps, better observability practices, enabling all the engineers across Cinch to continuously improve. Um, We've actually got a catch up in the office on Tuesday um, where we're going to go through a few things together. Um, so it's not that they work independently from the teams; they just they they, they use this community as a as a as a support almost. Uh, and we also have recently we've hired some principal engineers. It's been it's been quite key for us. It's it's quite useful to have engineers have been uh, been and seen a few things, and they're good um, good mentors, good coaches, and they they understand. Uh, system thinking and they have all these principles already um, and they've seen it work elsewhere so that's helped us a lot um, and I guess the, the last thing that's helped us quite a bit is having one single platform for uh, hosting which is AWS and mm. specifically serverless but also having one one go-to observability and monitoring platform which, which is Datadog in our case um, if you want to find out what's going on in our production systems or in our CI pipelines, you, you go go to Datadog. Um, so that's been really useful. Nice. Okay, great. And um, yeah, I guess um, I, I'm just trying to have a quick think now in terms of uh, we've covered quite a lot really, haven't we? Uh, yeah, there's, there's another thing I'd like to kind of um, mention, which, which I found really useful uh, recently. Um, Emily Freeman, who wrote the DevOps for Dummies, for anyone who's interested, um, I definitely kind of um, have a read of that of that book. I, I've just started reading it myself, but what um, uh, what prompted me to to have a look at her book is she uh, she posted a video called Revolution in DevOps, um, and I'd recommend uh, watching it. She addresses head on the issues that have been created um, by how overloaded of a term DevOps is right now, you'd find it very interesting, interesting for sure in recruitment. Yeah. Um, and all the various assumptions we make collectively as an industry about the kind of software delivery lifecycle. And it's interesting because um, she suggests um, that we should kind of rethink 
the the delivery lifecycle a bit, and she she goes about talking about um, the various concentric circles. I think as she as she talks about them, which is every engineer will will architect, develop, automate, deploy, or operate. Um, but as a as a model um what i guess the outcome they want of their systems is they want it to be reliable want to have secure security uh, they want it to be testable scalability observability and flexibility so this is kind of a bit more of a, a holistic way of looking at software i think the thing that's most relevant to our conversation today is that she talks about personas being immutable so despite um Despite someone being in different roles, potentially uh, roles can change, but your your persona remains the same. So you're, if you're passionate about um, delivering software and um, understanding how customers are using your software and and uh, just making your your day to day life a lot better and always improving, you always do that despite in whatever role you're in. Um, so so you're you're your work is not confined to a single set of skills. I think, I think that was a really, really important point. Uh, she makes it a highly, highly encourage people to, to have a watch. So what, what, what book was that again? DevOps. So it's DevOps for Dummies by Emily Freeman. And I think her video on YouTube is called Revolution in DevOps. She works for AWS now. Um, I'll, uh, I put a link to that in the, the podcast for anyone else as well. That, uh, wants to have a look, but yeah, no, I'm definitely, uh, definitely um, interested in reading that myself. Uh, so it's Emily Freeman as well on YouTube. She's got YouTube. Uh, so yeah, I think I think the video is called "A Revolution in DevOps." Revolution. Uh, I think her, I think her, uh, her model is called revolutionary software development. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I'll, uh, I'll put the links in the uh, the podcast as well when we. Uh, out there, but yeah, no, that, that's kind of everything we wanted to cover today, I guess, Tolly, because I'm quite in depth on everything there. Um, obviously, the main part of it was, you know, um, should software developers be picking up the operations side and why, and the reasons why, and benefits why. Um, so, you know, covered everything there, and hope everyone's kind of took something away from that, the people that are listening as well. Um, hopefully it encourages, I guess, some more software engineers to actually take that leap and, you know, get more involved in that side. And hopefully they've got a bit of an insight there into reasons why as well. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Uh, it's a very, uh, if, if I were, if I was able to, to describe how much is involved in uh, software delivery and how interesting this space is, um, uh, I, I'd take every chance. Um, I think it's, um, you'll learn a lot and you'll get exposed to a lot of different aspects of software delivery. Um, and I'd encourage everyone to, um, to delve deep into it because it'll make your life a lot better. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Lloyd Lawson, and my guest speaker, Tolly from Cinch. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Spotify, and subscribe to our YouTube channels so you never miss another episode. If you want to discuss the topic further, have follow-up questions, or looking for a new cloud or DevOps role yourself, please get in touch with me via LinkedIn or email.